may be seated. Now I have three men walking up here, uh, Paul Grady, uh, Gary Boley, and John Morrissey. Uh, They are all in a huddle together. Huddles here at Freedens are groups of two to four people of the same gender who meet on a regular basis, typically about twice a month or so, um, in order to help one another grow as followers of Christ. And they've been in a huddle together, I don't know, what, a year or so, something like that. I asked them, and they weren't really sure either. Um, Yeah. Um, But one of the things I picked up from them um, over this time that they've been meeting together is just how beneficial this huddle is for them. And we have a bunch of different huddles, but um, just wanted to have them up here this morning and share about their experience. So for you guys, uh, you meet in your huddle. I hear about the good experiences you have there. What do you do in your huddle times together? I guess I'm up here. Um, We had no clue what we were going to do. First of all, we just introduced ourselves. What do we do for a living? Kind of, John brought forth a book. We were going to do a study. We ended up meeting two weeks later, and it's nobody even cracked the book, you know? And so there's just not time. And so um, we just started talking about life. Um, Every once in a while, you miss a Sunday. You miss a sermon. Um, We tried to get together, and how do we apply Brandon's message to us on a day-to-day basis? And a lot of things, we meet every two weeks, or try to, and a lot of things happen within that two weeks, and, you know, and how do you work through as a Christian out in the nasty world out there? And so that's how it's benefited me, and I think everybody's at a different point in their um, faith journey, and how you can interpret, everybody I'm certain interprets Brandon's message differently, you know, and so we kind of talk and dissect it. And how can we apply that to hopefully the next two weeks that we're going to be living out there? Cool. Um, And, I mean, you guys have talked a lot about just the benefits you've received from uh, the huddle. Before I get to that, just want to highlight, I mean, huddles, you have a lot of freedom in what you do in your times together. But, I mean, what you all are doing in terms of discussing sermons or classes or just trying to talk about, okay, we're facing this in our lives how do we respond as Christians? What do we do? How do we represent Christ well? That's really the purpose of huddles. Because a lot of Christians, if you're in church, if you're in Bible studies, if you're reading the Bible, reading books, you're getting all kinds of great Christian information coming into your life. The challenge is applying it. And so I think it's great that you all, in your times together, are discussing how do you apply it. You're holding each other accountable for it. Um, that's wonderful. So how, how has your huddle benefited you over the time you've been meeting? So um, I have to start out by just saying that, um, you know, God, I I really believe that God put the three of us together. Um, We didn't know each other at all. I don't think that I would have, um, you know, uh, really become a part of these men's lives without this huddle being formed. Um, And, and. You know, one of the things that's just been so beneficial to me is to be able to sit with two men and talk about God. I don't have that anywhere else in my life, or I haven't had that until this time. And, you know, for me, um, both of these two, we're, the three of us are very different, and, um, and, and that's been a blessing to me. Both of them have this really, um, you know, strong faith that um, has been very powerful and meaningful to me. 
and in very, very different ways. Um, you know, John uh, just gives me a, the gift of having just a ton of knowledge of the Bible and bringing that into our, our presence. And, and Gary, has, uh, Gary has this passion and faith for Christ that he just talks about all the time, and that's really benefited me, who's kind of a quiet guy, to figure out how to speak my voice. Um, so it's been, I'll get all choked up here. Um, it's been really, really powerful in terms of my continuing journey with Christ. And I thank you guys. Very much, very much. So true. I think for, for me, if, if I had to just come up with one statement as far as what is, what is the benefit that I've seen is before the huddle, I saw myself, even though I attend church, I saw myself as, as, an, as basically out on an island. You live your life, you come to church, you get fed, but then you're on that, you're on that island as soon as you leave. You know, you might hit a, a Wednesday night Bible study, but in the meantime, you're kind of on an island. And what this does is it really brings in a few people that, that you can kind of share your life with that you don't get in the actual service here. Not that you're even really supposed to. You're supposed to take this and apply it into your life. That's been a big benefit for me, and I know for all of us, just we would not have this interaction had we not, well, had Brandon not just kind of knocked on our heads a little bit and said, what about it? You know, let's go. And, and then he was you know, had a lot of wisdom in putting the three of us together, and we accepted that, and, man, it's just awesome. So it's really good. We, just real quick, we, you know, we, we thought we would, or I thought we might have some structure and, and study something, and we quickly realized that we get a lot of teaching. We get good Bible-based teaching here. What we need is to figure out how to apply it. And that is what the huddle does, if I could say that. That's what it does. For so us, yes. for us, it's, it, it's great. So that's, thank you. That's wonderful. I mean, you say I had wisdom in putting you all together. <laughs> it's wisdom in retrospect. <laughs> um, it's easy to look back. Hey, that went well. You were very wise. <laughs> if it didn't go well, you wouldn't be saying I had wisdom. But um, no, you all are very different from one another. But I think it's really cool how you have the common bond of Christ. You each want to grow. And I mean, that's what I saw in each of you when one or more of you came to me and said, hey, I want to be in a huddle. Can you help me figure out who to partner together with? Um, I saw in each of you this passion to want to grow as a follower of Christ. And that common bond is what's bonded you together. And it's so encouraging to hear that you don't merely, as James says in James 1, you don't just want to be hearers of the word, you want to be doers of the word. And we have a bunch of other huddles, men and women going on that just have been encouraged to hear your all stories. And if you want to learn more about huddles, there's a brochure out at the Welcome Center in the lobby called, uh, the title is Making Disciples. Um, so you can check that out. Talk with me if, uh, if you want to learn more about that. But just thank you all for sharing. It's encouraging to hear uh, what God's doing in your lives. Um, and now we're going to actually keep John up here. Uh, John is going on a, um, he's not going on a mission trip. He, he was a missionary down in Brazil for many years. And then uh, just now is embarking on a different avenue of ministering to that Brazilian people group. So would you be able to share with us For what sure, you're doing? For sure, yeah. Well, a year and a half ago about, I, Friedens helped me um, with a missions trip. I went back to Brazil where I had worked for uh, many years. 
and uh, saw a lot of things when I was there. I was greatly encouraged with the church and, and how they've developed. Um, we saw some needs as well. And that brings me to where we are today. And um, as of the beginning of the year, between my wife and I and my son and my daughter, um, we have put together uh, a little ministry that we've started. And it's called Indigenous Audio Bible Ministry. What we saw, what I saw when I was down there was we have, it took... 30 years to get the New Testament translated into the indigenous language. Just a tremendous amount of, of work. A uh, quarter of a million dollars has been spent so far for this translation. What we saw when we were there was there are still a lot of uh, indigenous peoples living along the river, up and down the river, that still don't have access to that. The main reason they don't have access to that written word of God they can't read. They just can't read. And in their villages, they, they did not have missionaries in their villages. They had, the government was trying to help them. But one of the things that they did not get was a good education. When we were there, we gave them a good education, and the folks in our village read and write. And yet there are still a lot of people up and down the river that cannot read and write. What we want to do with this ministry is we want to digitize the New Testament, the Old Testament portions, and all of what we call the chronological lessons of the Bible, starting from creation all the way through. We want to get this into MP3 players. Get it on a computer, edit it up, get it into MP3 players, give them to the people. Take them up and down the river. They will listen to something like that because it's a novelty it's something we're giving to them, and they're going to hear the word of God. They're going to have it read to them in their own language by their own people. That's where it gets a little, little dicey and a little more complicated because I could read it myself, tape it right here, and get it on the computer, but it's not one of them. They read their language way better than I could ever dream to read it. So we are planning a trip in... Uh, August, September of this year, we want to go down there and initiate this ministry, uh, get it going. And when I hit the shores down there, if this trip goes off, it's going to be game on. Um, I need to get, get uh, recording and get some files up on the MP3 players and get them out to the people. The one thing real quickly is that the leadership of the church down there has been for years concerned about their, their ministry uh, effect to their own people and how they've had a lot of persecution when they have tried to minister to their people. In fact, one of the young couples that went to the bigger village upriver to go and start Bible studies, they threatened them many times, and then they ended up just burning their house down. And that is the kind of persecution that, that their own people get. What we want to do is we want to take a, an item like an MP3 player, load it up with the scripture, which is eternal. God's word is eternal. You know, load it up with that. We know they will listen to it. They are curious. And we want to get the word of God into their ears, into their brains. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring a lot of ministry opportunities back to the church because when they need them charged up, we're purposely not buying MP3 players that have batteries. 
You buy a battery, little batteries, they'll take them out and sell them. They'll sell them. We want the ones with the internal batteries, so they have to come back to the church. They come back to the church during church services. They have a generator that they will run for the service. They can charge the MP3s up while they're listening to the message. It's going to bring ministry opportunities back to their doorstep. We are just, we're excited about this, and we're finding a lot of people beginning to show interest in that, and in the next uh, several months, we'll be working on building ministry partners for that ministry. But that all started in part from you guys, because you thought it was so important for me to go down there to Brazil, back to this, this group, that you helped send me there. So this is another benefit, another fruit of your work right here at Freedens. So that's what I wanted to tell you about this morning. I'm just so excited. Pray for us as uh, I'm getting the website uh, up and running so that we have somewhere to direct people. And that's what we're going to be about this next, next year. So thank you very much. Thank you, John. And now I'd like to invite up uh, Tammy Leonard and Pete Verfurth. Um, it, it's really encouraging to see what God's doing in and through the people of Freedens. And we have to understand God's working through people of Freedens, I mean, overseas. I mean, even Brianna Belinsky, who sings up here, she's a college student. Um, she's, in, I think, probably flying to South Africa right now or yesterday or something like that. Um, in part for a missions trip down there. And so it's encouraging to see what God's doing through the people of Freedoms overseas, but also more locally as well. Uh, Tammy and Pete are here just to share what God is doing in and through them, specifically in their workplaces. Um, because, you know, we have a mission field right here in our neighborhoods. Um, so Tammy, how has God been working through you in your workplace? Well, first of all, I am an occupational therapist also. Um, <laughs> I work for Washington County Human Services in a mental health center, and so we serve adults, uh, well, at least I work with adults, we have some kids too, um, adults with a variety of different mental illnesses, addictions, um, different functioning levels. And um, there's two parts to what I do. First of all, I'm a case manager, so I work individually with people to help them build skills so they can live in the community, um, deal with the symptoms that they have, the, the problems that they encounter in their lives, get them connected to services, etc. The other thing that I do is uh, facilitate groups, and in the groups I help people build skills, um, have uh, gain support and connections with people, um, so to help them function in, in their lives. So I've, um, you know, this used to be just a job, and then I came across Colossians 3.23 that says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for God, not man. And that has just made such a difference that God placed me in this, this job, and it's more than a job. Um, and then I've done some studies on spiritual gifts, and I, I feel like I have a gift of service and teaching and mercy. So um, having those two pieces has really made a difference for me. So just remember, keep in mind that I work for a county, so I have to be really careful about um, sharing my faith. Um, very careful. So um, what I saw in people individually is that people that were Christians or had some church upbringing used their faith as their strength. And I saw those people as being able to function better or deal with problems better. 
Um, so I, I kind of started with them um, by sharing scripture. I've got those little cards that have a little scripture, a little picture, et cetera, on, and just kind of shared with them. Um, a couple of people, I've closed my door and we've prayed. Um, I have another lady who's, who I'm not even a case manager for, but she knows I'm a Christian, so once in a while she'll call and she'll say, hey, will you pray for me or leave a, a prayer on my voicemail? So that's kind of where I started. Um, and it's just interesting how God has brought people that um, I have like five or six people out of like 10, 12 that I work with that have a Christian faith and they kind of keep coming. So it's kind of neat. So I've then kind of had a little tap on my shoulder about a year ago and um, thought, what about the group setting? So um, I realized that in mental health, there, we, we service people with their physical needs, their mental health needs, their community, their financial just all of that, but that spiritual piece is missing. And so that's where the tap came in. And um, I looked at some articles and some models of some programs that have been out there, and there is this um, article that talks about spirituality being the, uh, how does, the forgotten dimension in mental health care. So in reading the article, now this is a no-brainer to me, but people that have spirituality in their lives in mental health, have, they can find meaning and purpose. Um, there's evidence that shows that they have a sense of belonging and community. Um, and I'm just going to read here that they, the article said that the deeply personal meets the universal um, and a sacred realm of experience. So um, the article also mentioned how people have their symptoms are less, that they recover quicker, um, that they manage problems better. So what I did is... Um, get a group of people together, some clients, and ask them if they were interested in, in a group. And they were really interested in this. So I talked to my supervisor, and fortunately, she was okay with it as long as I didn't call it a spirituality group. So we call it Pathways of the Heart. And if you think of the heart as being kind of that deep soul, and let's see, in Ephesians 1.18, it talks about the eyes of the heart, when our eyes are open, we're open to spiritual things. So it seemed like it really was a good, good name for a group. So the group is, um, does look at various uh, perspectives. And I cannot, in working for a county, you know, teach people necessarily what they need to believe. The group is not expected to convert people. But it is uh, one where we get ideas and thoughts going. Um, there are some different perspectives, like we might even look at Native American we, pers uh, perspectives. We might look at Christian. We might look at Jewish kind of things, at least just getting um, discussion going. And we're really topic-oriented. Um, some of the topics are uh, faith, hope, letting go, forgiveness, higher being, inner strength, purpose and meaning. Kind of get the idea where we're going here. Um, we use music. We use art, activities, a variety of different things. So that's explaining the group. The exciting piece is what I'm going to share next. I'm going to give you four examples of the outcomes that have happened. Um, there's one woman who has what's called schizoaffective disorder. She has anxiety, has a PTSD, a history of self-harm, and alcohol abuse. And she's now, since coming to the group, has started going to church with her mom. Um, she has, as I asked her a couple days ago, a new sense of hope and direction with her depression and anxiety. And she attended the Musicians Against Heroin concert a couple weeks back and was just like, there was something that really happened with her. 
Another woman who um, has depression, a past drug abuse history, history of self-harm, she was raised in a family with um, one parent was Jewish and another was Christian. So she has a lot of um, confusion about where, who she is and, and where she is. Um, she's, since coming to the group, she's more tuned into God. She still kind of refers to him as a higher being, but she's definitely more aware of his presence. Um, she's not accepting of Christianity yet, but she has an interest and an awareness. And one thing that she said, she really appreciates um, people who follow Christ, so there's just a little something there. She, too, came to the concert, and this is a woman who, she's depressed, you can just see it on her, but she was just glowing with the Christmas music that was played at the concert, so it was really kind of neat to see her smiling. All right, man number three, or person number three. He's a gentleman with anxiety, panic disorder, and depression, and a professed atheist has come to the group. And he grew up in a church. He walked away due to a specific incident. And he has a new interest in rekindling that Christian piece of him. Um, Pastor Brandon, I connected with you, and he, um, Pastor Brandon gave me a, an article, Does God Exist?, or a, a paper that you wrote. He read it. <laughs> he, he is willing, if you, I told him, if you want to come and talk with me, you're more than welcome. I read it, too. I highlighted all over. And <laughs> um, so um, he admits that he has a new spark in his life, and what's just really cool is to just see this man smile, to see him connect with people, um, he's not as anxious to talk. The final one that I want to share with you is a man who's had over 20 years of sobriety and continues to have depression. So he's a big AA guy, and um, he understood, has understood God as being his higher power. Um, he's been into prayer and meditation. He, does, um, he has some Buddhist ideas that he's followed, and um, what's really cool is when his heart has been open to be fed. Um, and one thing that he said to me is that if I want what she has, meaning pointing to me, I've got to do what she does. And so um, he was willing to go to a church. Um, I pointed him in a direction of a church that I thought had similar beliefs to what we believe here. And he went to that church. The church being a very healthy church just kind of grabbed him. And he has a spiritual mentor. And he's starting to study the Bible. And in November, he was baptized. So that is just really cool. Mm -hmm. So um, just if I could just, I don't see myself as having the strength of evangelism. Um, I tend to be soft-spoken. Well, at least for those people that, well, some people think I might not be soft-spoken. <laughs> um, yet, I guess just looking at back, I just really feel like God has equipped me. I mean, he's, he's made me a beacon to plant that little seed maybe in a very different way, but I just pray that he continues to work in me. That's really, really encouraging. Um, and Pete, you you recently did an experiment. Uh, you picked up some things through, I think, through our huddle, through uh, maybe sermons and stuff, and you decided, decided to do a little experiment. Could you explain what that was? Yes, um, actually, um, Tammy, you made a really good point before I started, or before I start, what, what I have to say is, Tammy made a good point about, um, I too don't necessarily always feel like I um, have the spiritual gift of evangelism and you know just because um, you, you feel intimidated talking about Christ to other people it doesn't mean that you can't still make a difference um, you just have to let the conversations 
you know, go the way you want them to go. And there's a good, there's tools to make those conversations go the way you want to go. And that's, in fact, what we've been talking about in our huddle. One of the goals of our huddle is we were uh, trying to, um, to, we talked about how to have and initiate um, con uh, conversations about Christ and, and how, how they can be meaningful and, and, um, and plant seeds and, and things like that. Um, and so we, what we've been doing is going through a, a guide that uh, teaches us how to use questions as tools to uh, undercover clues about people and, and um, how you can control the conversation in a non-threatening way. Um, one thing that, uh, that um, using questions is, is great is that it allows you to um, be humble. And, and when you are not the person that is on the stand and you're asking the questions and, um, you know, the person that, that you're talking to nine times out of ten, if you keep the conversation focused on them, people love to talk and they love to talk about themselves. And, um, you know, I had a real negative um, witnessing experience my first, one of my first times. I, um, instead of asking questions and, and trying to figure out where this person stood in, in their faith, I went up to them and I said, hey, there's something really important i got to tell you. And I said, you know, Jesus is real, and he died for your sins. And I could see, as I was talking to the person, I could see this wall being built up around me because this guy didn't want to talk to me anymore because I approached it in, a, in a, an offensive way. Um, and so what that did to me is it, it made me nervous about witnessing to people, and I didn't know if... Um, I had the right tools, and I certainly felt that evangelism wasn't one of my spiritual strengths. So, fast forward to where we're at now. So we've been using, going through this study uh, about questions and how to use them in conversations, and, and I did an experiment on my own, and uh, what I did is I, at work, I um, tried to have a conversation with somebody using nothing but questions. So that meant that even if they asked me something back, my response had to be a question. And it took some, it was a little tricky and it took some time, but what I found was um, if you ask the right questions, um, you can get someone who may not typically want to open up about their spiritual faith or anything for that matter to, they'll feel comfortable talking to you, they will feel it's a safe environment, and then they might start to reveal things about themselves. And, you know, if if you pay attention and you really concentrate on what they're saying, you know, maybe in this particular conversation we're having today, you know, maybe I, there's not an opportunity for me to really witness or share the gospel message with you, but it allows me to bank some of those things that we talked about in my head, and I can go back and, and bring up future conversations, and we can talk about, um, you know, it, al it, allows us to, it allows me to kind of meditate on what they said and, and how I can approach our next conversation using questions going into a direction that would ultimately lead them to a Christ a Christ-centered um, life and, and hopefully witnessing to them in a way that they can understand and accept the gospel message. I mean I was so encouraged when I heard about that experiment in our huddle because we didn't ask you to do that. You just, on your own initiative, did that. I think with the same guy who originally had been turned off it was, by your attempts. It was, exactly. And um, but, you know, I, I, after I did that experiment, I tried it again. And if you start asking questions and you know this conversation isn't going where you want it to go, then just ease off the gas and 
and don't push it because <laughs> it, it can build walls around you and, and you don't want you don't want to do that. So you want to be you want to be able to sow seeds and then let someone water here and someone water there. Yeah, I mean it's just encouraging. I mean just two examples and we could pull many other examples too of just people taking the initiative in their own environments uh, in the out relationship uh, to just gently point people to Christ. And so thank you all for sharing. Um, if you all, or if any of us would like to learn more about this, uh, it's a great time to be at Freedom's because we have classes starting this morning between services um, that all focus on our out relationship. And uh, you can check your bulletin for a full listing. Even one of them is called Workplace Grace. How do you represent Christ in your workplace? And so we just encourage you to make the most of these opportunities. Also, there's a women's study uh, starting on January 20th for four Wednesday evenings in the book Tactics to help us understand how do we talk with others about the Christian faith. It includes a lot about questions, which Pete was just talking about. And in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And I think this is a great way to begin the new year and a great way also just to wrap up our time together this morning, recognizing that Everything that we do, everything that, that God's doing in and through us, it's related to the gospel. We don't do it out of our own strength. We don't have a relationship with God from our own religious good deeds and stuff like that. We do it out of what Christ has done for us, out of the Holy Spirit bearing fruit through us. And so we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a minute. And as we do so, I pray this will be a time just of, of really setting our hearts on Christ as we begin this new year. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions because... You know, only about 8% of people follow through on them. So I'm not going to ask us to make New Year's resolutions about following Christ more faithfully. But I would challenge us to consider, kind of as New Year's resolution under a different title, just how can we take action steps to help us grow closer to Christ? Maybe it's just setting aside time to read the Bible a little bit more faithfully, getting involved in a huddle or a Bible study, um, maybe focusing on one character trait that we want to grow in in this next year. Again, I'm not looking at New Year's resolutions. I mean, and there is grace. If you fall, get up, keep going, try again. Uh, but we do want to be growing as followers of Christ. And the Lord's Supper is a great way just to remember what Christ has done for us. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for the offering as well. And then I'm going to pray for all the people who've shared. Also, I'm going to pray for Joan Duffner. Many of you know her. Uh, her mother just passed away this last week. As if, I mean, that, that's enough. But her dad passed away just a few weeks ago as well, both in the month of December. So we really just want to be lifting up to the Duffner uh, family. Her mother is Dorothy Rogers. Uh, the visitation and funeral are, are Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning at Miller Funeral Home in Cedarburg. So I encourage you to lift up Joan in your prayers, even reach out to her, attend visitation or funeral as well. So let's go to God in prayer as we also prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Our Father, we thank you that you're a gracious God. Thank you that you sent Christ. And thank you that Jesus not only uh, lived a perfect life, not only died for us, but he rose again. Now he's in heaven interceding for us, and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. And Lord, we thank you for the testimonies we've heard this morning from Megan, from Corey, of the Middle School Bible Study, testimonies from uh, the Huddle Men, testimonies from uh, John with his ministry down in Brazil, from uh, Tammy and from Pete, we thank you for your work in and through them, Lord, and we pray that you'll continue to do that, not only through them, but also in all of our lives, Lord, that 2016 will be a year in which we grow significantly. We lift up Joan and her family as they grieve. We thank you that they do not grieve as those without hope, but thank you that her mom and her dad had a solid faith in Christ. We pray that you will comfort and encourage uh, Joan and her family in this time. 
And we pray that you will work through these tithes and offerings to extend your kingdom and your gospel uh, throughout this community, this nation, and this world. In Jesus' name, amen.